Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to the returning Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast, the only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Should never repeat the intro, otherwise why have an intro? Anyway, before we do get going, I do apologise that we vanished for a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty here. If you are a patron, patreon.com forward slash Simon316. Firstly, thank you very much for being a patron and making all this stuff possible. But also, if you do go and watch the latest Q&A that I put up on Monday, we explain it all, and we get into some emotional stuff and some nonsense that sometimes life throws at us. But I do apologize. Uh, you know, we all have, I mean, if you watch my What Culture stuff, haha, ups and downs, which is true, we do. And sometimes it has a knock-on effect to other things. That's no excuse. I do apologize. But, you know, better late than never, but better never late. And I thought, what a great time to come back because what a packed week of wrestling we've had. We had the Elimination Chain. We had Raw. We had SmackDown. There was loads of New Japan stuff as well that I'm not going to get into. Uh, suffice to say, though, I will, I will go on record to, uh, to, to push anybody who doesn't know about Kenny Omega and Ibushi and their incredible tag team to go and check that out. Because it's not only a wonderful story, but it's just two premier pro wrestlers who do things that I can't quite fathom. As a man who's trying to become a professional wrestler himself and <laughs> struggles with, with things that I guess a lot of people would say uh, describe as simple, genuinely amazed at the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the tag team presence they have, the moves they can do in tandem with one another. They're absolutely they're incredible, both of them. Absolutely incredible. Uh, but we're not going to talk about today because we've got loads of WWE stuff to get through. Uh, we will start with the Elimination Chamber because, uh, you know, talking about stuff like that is going to bleed into Raw and it's going to bleed into SmackDown. And I guess ultimately where we should start is Ronda Rousey. She made, uh, you know, her second debut or whatever you want to call it at the Elimination Chamber. I thought she had a really good segment and I thought she carried that on over well to Raw. And I think right now as we look at it, there is absolutely no reason why she can't be a success. In the WWE, sure, her promo skills need to get a bit better, but, you know, it's the third night in or whatever. So, you know, at the Elimination Chamber, if you didn't see, she had a, a segment with, you know, Triple H came out, Stephanie McMahon came out, Kurt Angle came out, and they were all bigging up the fact that Ronda Rousey is here, she's going to sign a Raw contract, this is exciting, we should all be pumped up, and we were. Ronda Rousey comes out, all good. You know, clearly uh, leaning on the, you know, the UFC stuff with her entrance music and the Roddy Reddy Piper stuff, which was her, her wrestling hero. And basically, from nowhere, Kurt Angle comes out and says, wait a minute, you, this is not what you've been saying to me ever since I came back to the company. You've been talking about how this is all a ruse, it's all a manipulation, you want to get back at Rousey. Uh, you know, you, you, you want to get revenge on that B-I-T-C-H. So I don't know why I say it. I don't want to say it out loud. It's, not, it's a quote, but I don't want to offend anybody. Obviously, Ronda Rousey got mad. She, gets, she grabs Triple H, she slams him through a table, and then Stephanie McMahon slabs her and bails. I just thought it was a nice segment. It, you know, Ronda Rousey's mean face is really good. You know, seeing her get physical for the first time on someone like Triple H is going gonna, is gonna to raise headlines. And also, it's a great... Uh, the storyline and the execution and everything around it is a great start to build it. It's clearly going to be, you know, WrestleMania 34 match between Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey. Uh, and Triple H is definitely my man. Now, that raises a whole new, uh, a whole new level of question completely. Because clearly... 
you know, it's difficult because it is her first match. And there is a storyline here. You know, they tried to do all this stuff at WrestleMania 31. So it's not like, was it 31, 30, 32, whenever it was. So it's not like they're not trying to, not, they are tying it in. But also, this isn't just a one and done for Ronda Rousey. And that's why I'm not overly bothered by the fact that Triple H and Stephanie McMahon are involved. So not a lot of people are like, oh, they, sh- they shouldn't be getting the rub. The rub should go to somebody else. And yet you can argue that the other way and say, yes, but because it's her first match and it's at WrestleMania, she should be giving the rub to somebody else. But she will do more. And I have a feeling that there's going to be sustained coverage the more she does. And she will win the women's champion at some a championship at some point, either on Raw or SmackDown, I guess Raw. But I'm all right with this match. I think it makes sense. You know, no matter how much training she has had, it probably makes sense to... to um, hide her weaknesses for now and everybody in that match can do that we'll see how Stephanie McMahon gets on that'll be interesting but I'm sure she'll do fine I genuinely think it's all it's all working out really well I liked all the Kurt Angle stuff I liked how it bled into Raw and you know this whole idea that Kurt Angle was suffering with the flu so he was delusional enjoyed that too and then ultimately uh, you know Stephanie McMahon apologised to Ronda Rousey which I also like because you never see Stephanie McMahon grovelling and a lot of people said that it was like a faux apology which it was but still you could tell that she was... You never even get that anything from Stephanie. So I thought that was really important. And then Triple H sucker punches Kurt Angle at the end so we can continue on with the feud. And, of course, Triple H would per- punch Kurt Angle in the face if he was mad at him because Kurt Angle caused all these problems to begin with. So it's just a very nice, smart storyline with people that know what they're doing. Yeah, maybe some of the segments have gone too long, but hey, Ronda Rousey is... There's no two ways about it. Ronda Rousey, whether you want to admit it or not, is the biggest star in that company now. You can go up to a random person on the street and say Roman Reigns. They may not know who that is. They, pro- they may know who John Cena is, but chances are, and the odds are, they'll definitely know who Ronda Rousey is, because she's Ronda Rousey. She's a proper megaton sports star that did an incredible amount for, for women's athletics everywhere, or women in sports everywhere. So it really is quite incredible that she is in WWE to begin with, and I think, I genuinely think she's doing well. I do. I, I like the segments, I like what she's done, I like the build, all that going over old ground now. Um, and yeah, you could say maybe The Rock would be better in that spot, but getting The Rock to do anything right now is always going to be hard, because he's probably... One of, if not the biggest movie star in the world. So, you know, a week removed from all the Ronda Rousey stuff. Yes, I'm confident with it. I like it. I want to see if she's on Raw next week, how they're going to build it. All that stuff I think is great. And sure, promobility needs to work on, but she's got time. We're only, it's early days. We've got like six weeks to WrestleMania. And I am intrigued about that match. That match could even be the main event. I mean, it depends what happens with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, which we'll start talking about in a minute. But yes, I'm a fan I'm surprised that some people aren't a fan of it. I, you know, I, I think so far we've done everything we should. I don't know what else we could have done. I mean, there's no point giving the armbar away now. There's no point seeing Ronda smack Stephanie now because that's the payoff. You know, Ronda Rousey will win at that match, I'm sure. Uh, so we've got to let it build, and I think right now we're two for two. I, w- I won't say three for three because I'll say two for three then because I wasn't necessarily a huge fan of everything that she did when she first arrived. The pointing at the sign, it was just weird and awkward. But that's done now. You know, we're getting into the nitty gritty, and I think we've done well. So, round of applause for WWE, and I'm, uh, yeah, like I say, if I want to see where it's going to go, then I always imagine that they've done something right, and I think they have here. Right, which does indeed bring us on to, you know, the other MMA guy in in WWE, which, of course, is Brock Lesnar. Now, I don't know, I don't know the truth behind it, I don't know anything other than what's being reported out there, but I do like the idea, and I am excited about where it potentially could go. Now, starting off with the Elimination Chamber again, obviously, Roman Reigns uh, won. Uh, no surprise there. We'll tie into a lot of this stuff, actually. Because obviously the the big takeaway in many ways was that while Roman Reigns won the Elimination Chamber, Braun Strowman defeated John Cena, he defeated The Miz, he defeated Seth Rollins, he defeated Finn Balor, and he defeated Elias. And the kind of the problem here is, 
I wouldn't say it's a problem so much. I just think WWE could be handling it better. Clearly, Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman are the two chosen guys in WWE right now. They're the ones that WWE wants to protect, hence why they thought, okay, we want Roman to win because that's been the plan since day one. But how do we, you know, how do we make sure that Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar, how do we make sure that Braun Strowman doesn't get caught up in that? And obviously the plan was, well, we'll just have him eliminate everybody and then even though Roman Reigns wins after two spears, then... Uh, what do you call it? Uh, Braun Strowman will come in and power slam Roman Reigns. So when the show goes off air, who's you know who's the the last thing you see is Braun Strowman. But the problem there is you've got it feels like a conflicting of interest to me. It doesn't really make sense in terms of uh, you know who I don't know. To me, it's like when they had the Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? They found a way to make both those guys work. And I'm not saying that either the Roman Reigns or Braun Strowman are on that level because they're not. But it does feel like at the moment they have two agendas and they're not sure how to push these agendas together. And I got no, if you want to be Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, that's fine. I'm not going to get too, too mad about it. But at the same time, if Braun Strowman has surprised you and, you know, is in a position where you feel like you want to protect him, you want to do well with him, maybe you should do that too. Maybe it should be a triple threat at WrestleMania ish. Maybe it should be Lesnar versus Strowman versus Reigns. I got no problem with that. I don't think other people would have a problem with that because a lot of people like Braun Strowman. And you can still coronate Roman there. If anything, it works perfectly. Roman beats Brock Lesnar, and then you've got a challenger waiting in Braun Strowman who never got pinned in his number one contender match at WrestleMania. So that confuses me a lot. I don't really get what they're trying to do. And also, I mean, not that it really matters now because WWE just goes at such a fast pace that people forget almost as soon as it's happened. But, you know, not using that match to try and maybe elevate The Miz or Finn or Seth or whoever else was in it may have been a misstep when you look back on it. It was a great match. It was really fun. There was a lot of good spots, especially when The Miz was climbing around and, and Braun was tracing him. I thought that was really fun. However, um, I, I, I'm just intrigued to see where it's going to go. With, with that said, though, we'll get to Braun. I didn't necessarily like what they were doing with Braun, but I, I do like what they're doing with Roman and Brock. Or at least I'm intrigued to see where it goes with Roman and Brock. Because obviously the plan at one point was for uh, Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns to have a conversation on Raw. And whether in storyline or out of storyline or whatever, the decision was ch it's just changed. And they thought, well, no, just have Roman go out there and cut a shoot-style promo on Brock where he... Um, where he says, you know, we all know what Brock Lesnar's about. He was meant to be here. He's not going to turn up. He hides behind his contract. He's a money man, doesn't care. All the stuff that the internet wrestling community loves to talk about constantly. And surprise, surprise, as he started saying that, no, it wasn't one of these shoot angles that nobody understood. All the fans understood it. And because a lot of them agreed with it, they started to cheer Roman. Now, I'm not saying this is a surefire... Uh, a, a surefire way to get Roman Reigns cheered, but it is a good idea, and I think even more important than that, because screw Roman Reigns getting cheered, I feel like that's dead and buried at this point anyway, it makes that Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns feud far more interesting than it would have been otherwise, and it separates it from the WrestleMania 31 feud. And I think that's the that's almost what's more important here. It cannot feel like a go-around again. And also, maybe by complete happenstance, you know, if you are an internet fan and you do like to take this stuff in, you will have seen on the night of the Elimination Chamber, Dana White, UFC president, did tweet out a picture of Brock Lesnar hanging out. So even if that's not part of the story, it all ties in. And you start to think, wait, is this real or is this fake? And that's when pro wrestling is the best, when you can take reality and work it into a storyline where we, the audience, don't know what's going on. So straight away, I think the Roman Reigns Brock Lesnar program is awesome because now what's going to happen next week? What's Paul Heyman going to say? Paul Heyman and WWE Twitter uh, on, on Twitter had a little sort of back and forth. So you're starting to think, okay, well, this is blurring a lot of the lines. 
And some people say that Braun Strowman is sort of hanging in the background as backup because no one's quite sure. There's this whole steroid scandal with Roman Reigns as well, allegedly. I'm not going to talk about that because at the moment it's all, you can go up and Google it, hearsay and rumor. So if we just take everything we're seeing on TV as, as you know, our, our, our fuel, then yes, I actually quite like what they're doing with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. I think there's no, you know, Brock Lesnar's not going to win that match. This does feel like it could be Brock Lesnar's final hurrah with the WWE, not necessarily. You know, he may sign on for more, but maybe certainly in the position that he has been in, this does feel like a bit like a transition, or at least it does to me anyway. So Roman Reigns is undoubtedly going to be your Universal Champion coming out of WrestleMania. Then maybe he fused with Seth Rollins or Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar or um, Braun Strowman. We don't know. But it'll be interesting to see. And I think all of that does give it weight and all of it does make it interesting. And like I said, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. And that's the point. If I'm excited to see what's going to happen, then WWE must have done something right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, a part of me, I don't think Brock Lesnar just wouldn't have turned up. That seems a bit ridiculous to me. So I would imagine somebody just came up with the idea and they pulled the trigger on it last minute. And I thought Roman Reigns' promo was very good. It's probably the best promo he ever cut, I think, because it wasn't actually scripted for him. And he was just told out, you know, he was given green light to say things. And as soon as you're allowed to do that, surprise, surprise, people come across more like themselves, which he did. It's created intrigue, though. And that, to me, is the most important thing. So, yeah, so far, uh, good stuff. Well, I liked it anyway. Other than that, I mean, if we go, we had the women's elimination chamber as well, which I did think was fine. I just, you know, if you listen to this podcast or watch any of my what culture stuff before, you know that I don't, I don't, I just think sometimes WWE, I can't think of the word I'm putting here. I just don't think we, I don't think we need two elimination chamber matches. I actually thought that, I thought they did quite good. And the Mickey James spot especially was, was awesome, as was the Alexa Bliss spot. But I, um, I I don't know. The fact that, you know, we bookend these events with Elimination Chamber to start and Elimination Chamber to end, I think we probably could have done just a women's Elimination Chamber or we could have just done a men's Elimination Chamber. They were still fun. They were still good. But, you know, having it opening the show kind of makes you go, meh, meh. <laughs> so... I don't know, but it was good. It was fine. I mean, Alexa Bliss won. That was the good thing about the women's Elimination Chamber. Alexa Bliss winning really defined her as a dominant uh, as a dominant champion. And that was, you know, maybe that was needed. I'm not saying that she hasn't done well up to this point, because she certainly has. But allowing her to win the Elimination Chamber and do so in such decided fashion, I think helps her no end. And I don't know what they're planning for WrestleMania. There's rumors it's going to be Nia Jax versus Alexa and the Oscars to jump over to SmackDown and take on Charlotte Flair. You know, there's loads of different ways they could go. But at least right now, regardless of what you think about Alexa Bliss, the booking has been, man, she's a really dominant champion. She survived the Chamber. Okay, may have not done it by... You know, she's a heel. Did it by bad guy means. But that's, that's fine. And the weird stuff was, spilling out of that onto Raw, they, you know, they started the show, and Os Oscar, and Mickey James comes out with Alexa Bliss. You're like, wait, you were feuding a few weeks ago, but apparently a few nice words and one save here and there with no explanation, and Mickey James is a heel. I mean, that was ridiculous. And then, it kind of was good, though, because it tied into loads of other stuff, because then Oscar calls out the whole Roman's roster, pretty much, and says, you're all rubbish. Which leads to Sasha Banks and Bailey coming out. Nia Jax beats everybody up. Uh, I'll tie into the Nia Jax Oscar stuff in a second. Then we have a six-man tag match. And basically the story here is that Bailey and Sasha Banks have now split up. One of them's going to go face. One of them's going to go heel. They'll face each other at WrestleMania. And that is great. Because they have a great match. As long as they make Banks the heel. Because she's a far better heel than she is the face. I think that would be a good program. And given that WWE's been teasing this for about 12 months. Maybe even 13. Excellent. We're away. We're firing on all cylinders. So that was good. The only thing I'm worried about is... 
Well, no, pleased and worried. Nia Jax finally being booked as this dominant monster and nothing else is awesome. You know, she, she was a terror in the chamber. Uh, not in the chamber. She was uh, in her match with uh, Oscar the night before. You know, she terrorized her, beat the crap out of her, did the same on Raw. But the problem is, I worry that WWE thinks because Oscar is undefeated, we can kind of treat her uh, however we want. And that's... I'm not going to say that's bad, but I am going to say... You can't. It doesn't matter what sort of money in the bank, for lack of a better term, you have. Eventually, you're going to run that stock into the ground. That undefeated streak is going to mean nothing if she keeps getting beaten up all the time. Because the lasting impression is going to be, well, Oscar gets beaten up all the time. Even if she does pull out wins. It's like Seth Rollins. It's always the one I go to. And Seth Rollins was WWE champion. Yeah, he held the belt for a long time. But he scraped wins. And eventually, uh, eventually that's... Um, it wears you out. It wears you down. And you start to see that person as somebody who has the crap beaten out of them all the time. Now, we're not there yet. But, you know, I think the, the Goldberg, right? Goldberg was so cool because he was undefeated and he kicked the shit out of everybody. And that's why he was awesome. And I think that's what we should be doing with Oscar. And we were to a certain point. But WWE keeps doing it and then, and then pulling back. It almost ties into the Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns things. Again, you've got two different agendas and you don't, know, you don't know how to balance them out. Now, yes, ultimately, Oscar beat Nia Jax. Uh, at the Elimination Chamber. And I think she was the person to tap out Mickey James on the Raw match, right? So she has momentum, but I don't want to see her get her ass whipped every week. I want her to be dominant. I want her to be in control. I don't care that Nia Jax is massive. I want Oscar to be able to pull out all the stops. But at least they're doing stuff with the Raw Women's Division. I, you know, even though they did throw them into a big six women's tag, the Raw Women's Division now does feel like it's um, you know filtering off into all these cool feuds. You've got Banks and Bailey. Whatever they're going to do with Alexa Nia and Oscar, Mickey James is involved. We go to the SmackDown Women's Division. My word! I mean, all they did this week is they did was it Ruby Wright versus Naomi, and Charlotte and Becky Lynch were in the good guy corner, and the rest of Absolution were in the bad guy corner. And it was just—I mean, Ruby Wright won with a riot kick, and that was that. The championship—I know they're having a match at Fastlane, but the championship feels so irrelevant on that show now, which is terrible. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I don't think they know what they're doing either, which is the problem. So it's night and day between those two. At least the Raw, the Raw women's division feels like it's going somewhere. And, but, it, but it's the other way around when we start talking about the tag team title division. Again, at Elimination Chamber, the bar beat Titus Worldwide in, you know, effortless really. And they beat them again in a two out of three falls match where not only did Sheamus get a pin after 10 seconds, but Titus Worldwide lost two to nothing. So they're out. And then Sheamus even said on the microphone, he even said, look, we've ruined the tag team division. We don't have anybody to face. Don't tell me that because it's true. <laughs> it just, that's just bad booking. And I know the Revival are there and the Gallows and Anderson are there, but they're not doing anything. I think the Revival's been on TV for two weeks. So if they have, I've forgotten about them. And the rumor is apparently they're going to get an outsider tag team into the mix. I don't know whether it means outside WWE entirely or NXT, but I don't know who that makes. Bringing somebody up from NXT before WrestleMania seems nuts to me. But, yeah, this was... I, did, I mean, look, if it comes up with a good tag team, then great. But to me, this wasn't a cool idea by WWE. This was them going, oh, we actually don't have, uh, we don't have any tag teams. <laughs> so what do we do? And I don't think that's a good idea. I think we should be doing much better with that. But we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Like I do like the bar. I do think I do think they're good, but I just think that I don't know. It feels like they booked themselves into a corner where actually they don't have any tag teams, and now they've just got to admit it while they come up with a plan. I don't necessarily think that's ideal, um, especially because again we saw Titus Worldwide in three matches in in what week and a half, two weeks against the bar. 
that's not great. Especially when, again, there are tag teams like The Revival and, and Gallows and Anderson. But we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. Uh, but in contrast, the SmackDown title, tag team title scene is great. You know, the Usos and the New Day had a really good promo on this week's episode where the New Day came across. You know, they were, they were being goofy at first, but the Usos came out and kind of cast, you know, ran them down. And then the New Day went serious and kind of accused the Usos for being in their position because of who their dad is. It's Rikishi. The Bludgeon Brothers came out and kind of stared everybody down and they were all scared. It was really good, really well done. Made me feel like the tag team titles mean something. And even though we have gone back to the Usos versus the New Day, because they made it feel real, I wasn't too adverse to it. So again, it's weird how it just makes me think we should have all the tag teams on Raw or SmackDown and all the women on the other brand. I think that would make, I mean, probably all the women on Raw, I guess, because there's more women than tag teams, maybe. I don't know. But I just think that would help so much, given we have this uh, discrepancy in this way. Um, but I guess it all depends what happens at WrestleMania. I, Fast Lane at the moment just feels like a blip in the road. Well, it is kind of interesting because, you know, Cena on Raw was all like, oh, the Cena stuff is weird. So Cena comes out on Raw, if you don't know, and he challenges The Undertaker to a match and then instantly goes, oh, but that can't happen. I've been told it's impossible. Which, as I said in my What Culture video, is like me saying, God, you won the lottery. And you going, really? And me going, no, you didn't. He's like, well, why did you even bring it up? So he then, so then realises that he's going to have to go to SmackDown to try and get his WrestleMania opportunity. Because, again, the story is uh, that Precious, uh, Precious John Cena may not be on WrestleMania, even though he absolutely will be regardless. Um... So he goes there, and he asks to be in the main event at Fastlane, and they say, okay, well, if you beat AJ Styles later, we'll put you there. And then he beat AJ Styles, and that's a six-way at Fastlane. And I've got no problem with that, because, you know, having John Cena in that main event probably does make it more, well, more of a better sell. But also, you, there was a rumor that maybe we'll do Shinsuke Nakamura versus John Cena, with John Cena saying, I want your Royal Rumble win spot at WrestleMania. And I'm glad they didn't do that, because why would the Royal Rumble winner ever give that up? You've got the ultimate prize, main event at WrestleMania, potentially, for the WWE title. There is no reason for you to give that up, unless you're an idiot. So I'd much rather do this. However, it also meant that six weeks before WrestleMania, we saw AJ Styles, the world champion, get pinned clean on SmackDown. Now, it, wins and losses don't matter in WWE anymore because they don't care about them, so eventually I don't care. However, I don't necessarily think that's the best thing to do, especially when he's getting pinned by John Cena, who on TV recently has been beaten by everybody, <laughs> including Elias. And it just kind of muddies the water. And it does so if we do go in the John Cena versus Undertaker direction too. Because I've seen Taker lose twice at WrestleMania. I've seen John Cena lose on TV all the time. So you've kind of taken some of their allure away. However, as you saw by the crowd reaction on Raw, as the biggest reaction for the whole night. So, you know, two stars going at it still works. But there's a new rumor now. And the new rumor is it's going to be John Cena versus Rey Mysterio. So I don't know what is going on with that. I mean, that's just some, somebody reported. It doesn't mean it's true. And apparently Mysterio was either backstage at Raw and SmackDown having discussions to have a WrestleMania match, which I'm sure he'd want to do. Why wouldn't you? Does that mean Taker's not wrestling? Is there another idea for Taker's? Can we take versus Braun? Have they changed their mind? Has the plan changed? Because apparently it was going to be Braun versus The Miz, but given what happened you know, at the Elimination Chamber and on Raw, it now seems like it's going to be The Miz versus Finn Balor versus Seth. Because Braun Strowman was off fighting with Elias, and we had The Miz versus Seth Rollins, literally followed straight up by The Miz versus Finn Balor, and there was this sort of sentiment in the air that this will determine The Miz's opponent at WrestleMania. Now, don't get me wrong, that's a good switch. I think The Miz versus Balor versus Seth for the IC Championship at WrestleMania with either Balor or Seth winning is a far better match than The Miz versus Braun Strowman. I just do. And I don't think Braun Strowman needs the Intercontinental title at this stage. Um, and also, having Balor and Seth face off in any kind of way, I think, I think will be good. But... <sighs> I guess the fallout from that is Braun versus Elias, which, given that they're already feuding on television now, 
potentially means they won't make it to WrestleMania because I don't see what Elias could have done to keep that going. But that is not necessarily good for Braun Strowman, I don't think, given the year that he's had. What did he do last year, Braun Strowman? I can't even remember what Braun Strowman's role was. We're going to have to look it up. It's, one of the, it's that time in the pro... I can't remember what WrestleMania 33 Braun Strowman did. Let's look it up. Was he, even, was he in the Battle Royal? And he wasn't as exciting then as he was now. Why can't I find you, Braun? It's going to be a massive match, isn't it? And I'm going to feel like an absolute idiot. I know he was just in the... He was in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. He didn't even win. Mojo Rawley won that and Jinder Mahal was... <laughs> well, how far that man's come. or well, maybe a match with anybody's better than that. Uh, but So, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Again, the, going back to the John Cena. John Cena versus Mysterio is a weird thing. So maybe you should do that. Maybe you should do John Cena versus... Rey Mysterio and then put Braun against Taker. Makes for a better card. And then what you do with Elias, I don't know. I mean, I'd have Elias win the Battle Royal, but apparently there may not even be a Battle Royal. New rumors for that is we're going to have a women's one instead. The May Young Battle Royal. Don't do both. Please don't do both. If you want to do one, fine. Pick one and go with that. Please, <laughs> please stop doing double of everything. But I think it's good. And again, while the John Cena storyline for me runs a bit thin because he's John Cena, of course he's going to be on the card. Uh, at the same time... At least it's a story. And at least John Cena is doing quite well in that role. So, you know, credit where credit is due. Other things we need to touch on, Matt Hardy beating Bray Wyatt. I mean, look, don't get me wrong, it is dead in the ground. He beat him in, at the Elimination Chamber in a very, very sort of straightforward match. And then Wyatt came out on Raw to, to kill Heath Slater and Rhino and then say he was going to murder Matt Hardy, basically. So his eyes were never going to open again. However, here is the thing. If you follow Matt Hardy on Twitter, he's teasing that we're finally going to get a final deletion in WWE. And that does excite me because that is what this character should do. This character should bring new ideas that we haven't seen in the WWE and make them funny and work. And if they give, uh, if they give, um, you know, Matt Hardy the, the creative freedom that he's had before, at least that will be very fun. And hopefully, that can be the end of that feud because they have really watered that, you know, watered that down by just not caring. It's quite clear WWE didn't care about it. If they didn't care about it, how am I going to care about it? But if they, start, if they do start doing stuff away from the ring and the feud starts to feel unique and special and different, then I'll be all right with it and I'm quite excited about it. But there is really nothing else for me to, to say about that. It just is. It just exists. It's just there, which is, uh, I don't know. I really like Woken Matt Hardy. I think the character is great. I think he's really fun. He makes me laugh. I think maybe, I don't like saying this, but maybe the problem is Bray Wyatt. I think that character at this stage is just, it's done. It's kind of past its prime. I'm different, as I've said a thousand times before, because I don't necessarily think his entrance is that cool. Like, it's um, it's all right. It's not nothing special. It's okay. But it never really grabbed me like it's grabbed some people. Uh, so maybe he does need a character refresh. I mean, the problem with that is, if you do do a character refresh, where what do you do with Bray Wyatt? How do you start again? And how can you get people to buy into a new Bray Wyatt character where a lot of people see him as this way. I know they did it with Husky Harris, but it's different. Because at one point, the Bray Wyatt character had so much potential. But I don't think he's ever reached that potential. And now I also think he kind of... I'm not saying he, he's, a, he's a problem in feuds, but he's not, he's not great at the moment is what I'm saying. So if we need to... I mean, what I would actually do is I'd get Jeff Hardy back and I'd have them as the crazy team and I'd put them against Sheamus and Cesaro at WrestleMania. And then as for Bray Wyatt, I, honestly, at this point, I'd put him in the Under the Giant Battle Royal if that's going to happen. And that's a terrible thing to say. But I don't know what else you do with him at this point. Tell me. Let me know. 
Simon316 on Twitter. Go to the Facebook group, search for Simon's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Um, you tell me what to do with Bray Wyatt, and maybe we can have a discussion about that another another time. Uh, the other thing I wanted to touch upon on Raw, which I find very weird, is that right now, 205 Live is probably better than it ever has been. And since Enzo went and Vincent Mann has given up running the show and it's all gone to Triple H, it's far more of a wrestling-heavy show than it ever has been, and it is quite good. They've got a tournament going on to crown the first ever... First ever. But to crown the, the new Cruiserweight champion at WrestleMania, and yet they have no presence on Raw, which I find weird, because the only reason they were on Raw to begin with was to work as an advert. So surely if you've, re- not rebranded it, but if, you, if you've come changed the approach, you'd want to highlight that more. So I think that's a bit odd. I think that's very strange that they're not doing that. I don't know, there's a reason that I've missed. But overall, I thought it was good. I mean, same with Elimination Chamber as well. I thought Elimination Chamber was a fun... It was a two-angle a two or a one-match, one-angle show, right? Ronda Rousey was there to do a thing she did, and it was fun, and... You know, Roman Reigns was there to book his place in the WrestleMania main event. That was it. And we achieved both of those things. And we, you know, we did all that stuff with Braun Strowman, which has worked. But, you know, there are things we can pick away, pick away in that, which I believe we have. And then Raw was solid as well. I mean, we are, because we're into WrestleMania now, there's a lot to do. You know, every segment does seem to have a purpose. So Ronda Rousey had a purpose. Obviously, the Roman thing was good. John Cena's all over the place. But still, you know, it feels, it feels interesting. Uh, and again, especially on Raw, the women's stuff I think is is is, is awesome. I'm trying to think, is anybody lost in the shuffle at the moment? I mean, yes, Bray Wyatt is woken Matt Hardy, as we've touched on that. Otherwise, though, everybody's play seems to be coming together. However, switching over to SmackDown, is interesting that Jinder Mahal wasn't on the show this year. Uh, this year? This uh, this week. I'm guessing we're heading towards maybe Orton versus Rude versus Jinder at Mania. That way we can do Orton versus Rude at Fastlane and Jinder can get involved, and that's a nice, easy story to tell there. And I, I do. I, mean, I don't. Mass, I'm not massively into this U.S. title feud, but at least they've kept it simple now. This stupid SmackDown list has kind of been forgotten about, and instead, what we're focusing on is no, no, no. Orton's never won the U.S. Championship, and now he wants to win it. Fine, done, easy story. Anybody can understand that. It's not going to confuse anyone. You know why Bobby Roode even brought up the list this week? I don't know. That SmackDown list is stupid. However, the that's fine. I can get that. I can work my head around it, and I can explain it to somebody else. Oh, why does Randy Orton not like Bobby Roode? Well, Randy Orton's never won the US title, so he's going after it. Bobby Roode has it. Perfect reason to feud. Absolutely perfect reason to feud. I mean, it's not the most exciting thing in the world. Don't get me wrong. It's not lighting up my world. I don't tune into SmackDown. To be honest, I forget most of the time. And they come on, I'm like, oh, yeah, they're feuding. But still, it's a US championship program. Orton is a genuine main eventer. I'm sure Jinder will get involved at some point. Fine. Great. Whatever. I mean, it's, it's probably... No, the, inter- the Intercontinental type stuff better, actually. So, yeah. The last thing I want to touch on in terms of SmackDown is what the hell WWE is doing with Rusev. Now, in the absence of this show, maybe that's why he wasn't on, but in the absence of this show, Rusev was... Uh, he was not on SmackDown for reasons that I will never be able to understand. And then he reappears yesterday. He's teaming up with... Aiden English, as always, that's their team. They go to moan to Shane McMahon, hey, why why are we not, you know, why haven't we been on the show? And seemingly gets punished by getting put in a match against Shinsuke Nakamura. Aiden English, that is. Rusev laughs. I mean, and then we have a match with Nakamura and Aiden English. And then English loses, <laughs> even though Rusev distract, he tried to distract Nakamura. And you kind of just think, I mean, they're clearly still being portrayed as heels, Rusev and, uh, and English. And by this point, nobody believes they're heels anymore. Everybody loves them. Everybody cheers them. Everybody thinks they're great. 
So WWE either doesn't care about them because we haven't seen them for two weeks and they come back and do this, or they're just happy to, you know, let them run their course and see what happens. And that annoys me because surely this was the time to pull the trigger, especially with Rusev, and, you know, get him to the point where he feels like a big deal, maybe even a sub-main eventer. I mean, what is, what is his goal for WrestleMania at the moment? I have absolutely no idea. Is he going to be a tag team with English? Are they going to come up with a singles thing? I bet he's the under the giant battle royal. And that would be terrible because given that he was selling calendars and T-shirts and, you know, he's more over than ever, he's entertaining, everybody loved him. To not capitalize on that, I just find mad because you do it with anybody else. He should be in that six-way. There's six people in that Cena, Cena main event, that fast lane main event, and Rusev isn't one of them. I don't get it. I really don't get it. And that, to me, that genuinely confuses me. I don't understand what they're waiting for. He's got himself over time and time again, and yet, we, we're not, I don't know. I don't know. You tell me. You tell me what on earth, maybe I'm being too uh, too smarky about it all. But it seems very strange to me that Rusev can do all of this stuff and yet, you know, doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. He could have done nothing in this time and nothing would have changed. So that I don't understand. So that's basically, I mean, that's Elimination Chamber, Raw, and SmackDown. They're still good shows, though. You know, I always like this time of year because I think WWE starts putting more thought into things. You know, I also like the fact, can't remember, I think this happened after the fact. Uh, we also got told that from Backlash onwards, we're only having uh, single-branded, pay- uh, sorry, we're having dual-branded pay-per-views for now. So Backlash is going to have Raw and SmackDown people on it. And that will be the case, you know, from, from then onwards. And that's great. That's really great. But, I mean, I'm a bit worried there's other rumor that they're going to extend them to four hours. And I absolutely do not want that. I can't, it's bad, not bad enough, but it's, it's difficult enough with the amount of time WWE goes on anyway. But I am absolutely 100% behind having more than one brand on a pay-per-view. Uh, I know WWE are doing it to try and help ticket sales, but ultimately I don't want 15, 16 pay-per-views a year. Sometimes, especially, you know, dual, uh, single-branded SmackDown pay-per-views do feel a little bit pointless. There's no disrespect to them, but they do. Hence why we've got four months of Jinder Hall versus Randy Orton or whatever it was. The only kind of thing I think we need to fix now is the world championship issue, because I do think it's done. We have two world champions. We should have one world champion, and each month he should go you know, either side, and you know, you can come up with different feuds, and then we should build up the IC championship. We've all talked about this a thousand times before. It doesn't necessarily mean the Raw and SmackDown brand split has to end. Like, I do see foibles in that, but you know, I, after watching Raw and SmackDown this week especially, I don't necessarily think that's a problem. It doesn't feel... It doesn't feel long in the tooth or any or anything like that. It's just, you know, having pay-per-views that are dedicated to one brand, to me, doesn't work. Or at least, it certainly hasn't worked over the last, uh, last six months or so, and it's kind of wearing me out a little bit. So I'm happy about that. It means we go back to 12 pay-per-views a year. That's, that's from Backlash, which I believe is... Backlash is the first one after WrestleMania, hence why it's called Backlash. So that was good news. That made me pleased. And the other sort of surprising bit of news that we haven't talked about was that Jeff Jarrett is going into the WWE Hall of Fame. And the reason that is incredible is because, I mean, maybe not to the same level, but the only other guy that I can, obviously he went in too, but the only other guy I can equate with kind of some of the fallouts that Jeff Jarrett has had with the WWE is the Ultimate Warrior. And it's almost, you could actually you could argue it's worse with, with Jeff Jarrett, you know, because once he got basically fired live on television, once Vince McMahon bought WCW, he went and set up TNA. He went to set up a uh, you know a direct competitor to WWE. Now we all know the story of that; it never really worked. But that's not the point. Yeah, you know, he he he, sh- he shot those fires uh, directly into uh, into you know 
the fire or whatever you, you want to. What am I talking about? I don't know. Shots fired into the fire. But you know, he didn't. He didn't hold back. Now, the Ultimate Warrior may have sued them over a name, and he may have gone to WCW. But that is not the same as setting up a company and going, "Yeah, I'm going to try and compete with you." And again, Impact, TNA, GFW, all that stuff never really worked. But it goes to show that you know you can always build a bridge with the WWE. And now he is going into the Hall of Fame, which I think is, I think it's incredible. I really do. And when when the rumors first came out. I generally thought there was nothing more than that, knowing the history of Jeff Jarrett and WWE. But I think it's great because he has had a he has had a storied career. If you look at pro wrestling and the Jarrett family, and yeah, okay, he was never a top top guy in WWE, and he made his way to the top in WCW. You could argue because of his relationship with Vince Russo, but he he. Uh, it depends how you view the WWE Hall of Fame. You know, as a lot of people say, everybody goes into the WWE Hall of Fame. It's a, it's a promotional tool more than anything else. But given my memories of Jarrett, and I'm lucky to interview him for this very podcast, he's a very nice guy. I'm not saying you should go in just because you're a nice guy, but I got no problems with Jeff Jarrett going into the Hall of Fame. I think it's fine. Uh, I think it'll be nice. It's quite a good Hall of Fame this year. I mean, Goldberg's going in. That's cool. Got the Dudley boys. Is Mark Henry going in? I think Mark Henry's going in. No, I can't remember. Now i got to Google that. Uh, Hall of Fame WWE 2018. Who is going in? Give me a list. Give me a list. That's not a list. Why are you not giving me a list? What, what, my podcast sometimes. Ivory's going in, right? That's right. So yeah, we've got Goldberg, the Dudley Boys, Ivory, Jeff Jarrett. Oh, that's the other thing. I knew there was another one that's playing on my mind. The, uh, the Warrior Award recipient is Jarius Robertson, who's a double liver transplant survivor. I don't know much about his story, but yeah, I mean, geez. I don't know who the other... There was two more... The other room was one with Bam Bam Bigelow and somebody else. But yeah, I mean, I always like the Hall of Fame. Again, probably goes too long sometimes for my tastes. But I'm happy with that. I thought, I thought, I thought it was a nice, a nice announcement for, uh, for Jeff Jarrett to be going into the Hall of Fame. And I think that's everything that happened in WWE. I'm sure I'm missing stuff from a couple of weeks ago that uh, I have forgotten because it happened a couple of weeks ago. I don't have notes in front of me about that. Again, I am sorry that I vanished for a couple of weeks. You'll have to forgive me. Uh, let's just say sometimes I'm too much of an emotional cat for my own good. I should probably, uh, I should probably look into that. <laughs> um, I, I, I tell you what, we should talk about actually, of course, because we didn't do one last week. It's, um, you know, a lot of people. Maybe I think I was too harsh on my ups and downs for what culture about the two-hour gauntlet match that WWE did last week. I did think it was very good. I massively appreciated them doing something different. Um, to me, the problem was we had these two great opening matches with Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and John Cena, and then Seth Rollins just, you know, got taken out by Elias. And I thought my only problem with that was it was like we spent an hour building him up only for him to be beaten by Elias, which I thought was strange, given that Elias again. We'll do a whole podcast about this. Well, the video you can watch my video. Why WWE better not ruin Elias on what culture wrestling right now? Just go and search for that. Because, you know, you can only, again, much like Oscar, you can only get away with treating Elias like a cowardly heel before so long, before he loses his stock, he loses his weight, he loses any uh, potential upside that he has because you create a different uh, idea, a different gimmick in the fans' minds to what he's actually doing would be my only uh, my only criticism. But I, I, I love WWE trying something different. You know, uh, the reason I thought about that is because obviously the ratings have been very good the last couple of weeks, uh, mostly because football season's over. But it's not the point. I mean, this week wasn't as good as last week. But I always think WWE should give, uh, you know, should give those different kind of things a go. It was just really nice to open Raw, have a match, then another match, another, you know. And yes, by sort of match five, it was, it'd run its course. But it's not the point. You, you, you know, you'd made your decision, you went with it, and ultimately the ratings showed that people were happy to hang around for two hours of wrestling to see what the plan was. And 
you know, having Braun Strowman come out at the end to lay waste to the Miz, right, was was nice. That was a nice touch. So that did please me. And yeah, a lot of people said I was, I was way too harsh. But again, when you do ups and downs, I've I got to be take specific things and, you know, give them ups and downs. And the Seth Rollins one was... It was just a bit weird to me. And I do, I honestly do believe when we were at Finn Balor versus Elias, I was a bit like, well, yeah, I could probably do without this now. Maybe those matches were stretched out a little bit. Maybe we could have cut. Again, they want to do the record with Seth going so long, but maybe we could have cut down those opening two matches. But still, I did like it. I thought it was really good. And I'd love to see more of that. I mean, I don't know how else WWE can, can sort of play around with the format, but essentially because this structure has been around basically since the Attitude Era, if not before... Anything we can do in 2018 to, yeah, you know, throw a spanner into the works. Let's do it. Let's absolutely do it. So I was a big fan of that. Uh, and I don't think anything else happened. Again, all the Roman Reigns stuff and the, this Ricardo Rodriguez guys came out. I'm not going to talk about that just because you, you know all the information that I know. I don't really have any opinions of it until it becomes fact or fiction. It will be interesting to see what happens from a story point of view. But as of talking into this microphone, you know, all I've got to say is, you know, wrestlers being on drugs, to me, in 2018 is not much of a story. It's why I was baffled when everybody went after Jinder. I don't know. I don't. I, I do not know if Jinder does what he does. I don't know what his routine is, what supplements he takes. But you know, to all, all I get it because his physique transformed. But to then make him a poster boy for it all in a, in a profession where, you know, some people argue that everybody's doing stuff. I thought that was weird. So I don't really care about that. I mean, I want everyone to be healthy and safe. I don't want any more deaths. And that's been the best thing about wrestling over the last few years is that that has dropped off dramatically, which is wonderful. Because if you were a fan throughout the 2000s, you know how much that sucked. As long as everybody is happy and healthy and has a smile on their face, I am the same. And that's it. That's the word of WWE. Like I say, do go check out the New Japan Golden Lover stuff if you don't know about that. It's very, very fun. It's very, very good. In fact, this whole Cody Rhodes, um, Kenny Omega, Bullet Club thing kind of falling in on itself at the moment is very well done. And they're using YouTube very, you know, very well, very well too. So if you have been thinking about getting to New Japan, I would strongly advise... Yeah, jumping jumping into that. In terms of British wrestling, obviously keep checking out Defiant Wrestling, which is what culture's promotion. Uh, Knuckle Locks, where I train, is putting on a Battle Pro show, uh, so you should go along to that. Uh, let me get the de- details up. For- Actually, I'm never going to be able to find that now. I'll t- that, that's on March the 9th, but just, just search for Battle Pro Wrestling, but I'll definitely plug the... Um, plug plug that show next week as well but go to that i'm hopefully going to be there so if you just want to come and say hey come and say hey and if you have made it all the way to the end of simon is pro wrestling podcast i'm thinking potentially about doing a live version at some point so if that is something that would interest you let me know tweet whatever put it in the facebook group and uh, and let me know once again thank you very much to patrons patreon.com for simon 316 gibberish that patreon.com forward slash simon 316 who make all this possible uh, and thank you for being so kind when I explained my my current nonsense earlier in the week. If you're desperate to see that, that's up there now. Otherwise, uh, please do also head over to youtube.com for the middle report rules where there this will be up as a video. And yeah, just just be happy. That's all I want from life now is I want peace and happiness. And I, I hope you all have that again too. We will be back on Friday. I don't believe me, which is fine. But we will be back on Friday to the Q&A episode. I've got loads of questions now. So hopefully it'll be a nice bumper episode. Uh, if you do want to ask... You can uh, hunt down that thread, which is probably lost in the Facebook group now. And uh, yeah, you can um, you ask me a question and we'll answer that on Friday. But love, care, respect, all of that. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>